0: And what we found was the people that interacted with the websites that had our content were 187% more likely to convert. Welcome to Pipelineology, the business-to-business podcast for agencies, consultants, coaches, and businesses looking to build a pipeline of hot prospects ready to buy their products and services. Never wonder where your next client is coming from. To learn more about our strategies, services, and for resources on building your sales pipeline, visit Pipelineology.com.
1: Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of the Pipelineology podcast. Today I am pleased to be joined by Zach Stalsmith, the CEO and founder of Apex Drop, a micro influencer marketing company. Zach, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I know uh, we were just kind of talking off camera uh, right before we got started here. And I was telling you, you know, I'm, I know for me, this is going to be one of those really exciting ones because I know I've got a lot of questions. I'm, I want to know more about this topic. I know a lot of my uh, colleagues and clients do as well. So I'm sure our listeners are going to get a lot of value out of this one. But uh, before we jump into that, um, could you just give us a little bit maybe background about yourself, uh, how, you, uh, how you got started and how you, how you came to be involved in uh, micro-influencer marketing?
0: Yeah, so um, it, for those of you who haven't heard of my company, it's called Apex Drops. Um, we're a North American marketing firm and we help connect marketers to influencers on Instagram, um, helping them create content and uh, engagement on social media. My, me personally, I'm a marketing guru. Uh, grew up on marketing. I'm, I'm turning 40 this summer, so uh, this is all I've ever done since I was 18. <laughs> I went to college for marketing and then just went headfirst, uh, pretty obsessed with it. Love helping brands grow. I love seeing businesses thrive, and uh, I just—that's what I, gives me my shiggles at night. I just can't get enough of it. Um, I have uh, a passion for specifically B two C type marketing. So I started a, my agency about six years ago. This is my second startup, um, and it's really taken off. Um, just kind of riding the wave of Instagram taking off and influencers taking off, and uh, really enjoying the, the whole thing.
1: Well, very cool. So. I guess let's let's jump into it then. Um, what is micro-influencer marketing?
0: So the definition of micro-influencers is kind of not a standard yet, but we typically call micro-influencers someone who has uh, enough engagement, uh, like on Instagram, for example, would be around five to 20,000 followers, it's about right. Um, it's not so much influence that you're a Kardashian or a, a celebrity yet, and it's not so small that you're considered just a customer. Somewhere in between there, there's different tiers. There's macros, there's micros, there's nanos even. Um, and my specialty is in the micro space, so I'll speak to them all the time, and also on Instagram. Um, but micro influencer marketing, in a nutshell, is finding ways to communicate with uh, these influential types and have them become advocates for your brand. And uh, you know, this is really helpful in creating connections with these authentic people. Um, if you, if you turn it into a marketing effort, you can build a massive amount of content, which is kind of like my favorite part. The outcome of it is this crazy amount of content and you build this really positive sentiment, um, online. So you can build ubiquity, you can build positive sentiment, um, you know, build up your social media platforms and, and kind of create the community around your products. Um, and a lot of people like micro-influenced marketing because it's, it's authentic, or at least it's. Sometimes authentic. We've all seen the fake stuff, uh, you know, the really cheesy. I I, do, I have detox tea or I wear waist trainers, like the goofy stuff. We've seen that. So it's not always authentic, but it's supposed to be authentic. Um, it's extremely low cost um, comparatively to celebrity marketing and endorsements, um, and it's also it's, it has a much stronger impact than celebrity marketing and endorsements, uh, mainly because the smaller you are, the more engaged you are with your audience. So when you work with micros, you're actually getting really great engagement. So, my goal in life uh, to help brands has been finding ways to scale that microness into so that it gets really big, becomes macro.
1: Okay, so that, that does kind of answer one of my questions. And I know when uh, you know looking, when kind of thinking about what are some of the questions people are going to have about this, and I thought back to my car dealership days where we would. You know, get a one of the NFL football players in the area you know have them on some t v spots and you know it was kind of one of my first thoughts is is this just another version of like the celebrity endorsement
0: yeah i I like to think of it if you think of celebrities at the top, um, you know they're more of like the the cool points you know they have that that swagger and they're more for just like I don't think of influencer marketing as celebrity endorsements. I think of it more of like getting your best customers to talk about you. And so it's more of like influential consumers rather than uh, celebrities. And the way you approach these people is completely different. The way you interact with them is completely different. There's no managers, you know, like a talent agency that's trying to, you know, collect commissions off the deals. Um, Micro-influencers, typically it's a brand reaching out directly to a person who happens to have a a love for their product or service and asking them to honestly share information in a way that would benefit both parties. Sometimes there's money being exchanged. Sometimes it's just product, but it's much more uh, organic and there's a lot less uh, of a a layer between the brand and the the influencer.
1: Okay. So who, who is this for, like, who is a good candidate to get involved in uh, this micro influencer marketing?
0: I think everybody can get involved. It, it might not be in the same capacity that uh, B2C versus B2B. Like if you're in B2B, you're probably going to do it more on LinkedIn. If you're B2C, you probably go on Instagram and Facebook. So it depends on the type of business you are, but everybody should be looking for people that have a voice in their, in their industry and also trying to find your best advocates in your, um, in your marketing funnel. So like the, the marketing funnel has changed a lot. Um, any marketers on this call know that you know, we're all about awareness, filling that, that top end of the funnel for our clients. Um, but it's really important to work your way down into getting action where the sale actually happens. And uh, uh, something that's new just over the past, like since social media has really hit 10 years or so, um, advocacy has become one of the primary marketing channels. And advocacy comes after the sale. So it's this whole new space where you're getting your consumers to spread the word instead of marketing team, Uh, the marketing team. I hate to say it because I'm a marketer that's dying. The model is dying. You don't really need a marketing team. What you really need is someone to orchestrate all your best consumers to talk about you, get those testimonials, get those really great pieces of content, share and distribute all that stuff. So content is still kind of king. You know, UGC is is the new king of, of marketing but distribution, I guess would you could say is queen. Distribution is getting that content out there, getting the word out there. And that's what I think of a marketer now. Marketers should be the distributors of content and information and stories about the brand. And you should actually let the, the influencers or the creators become your marketing team.
1: Interesting. Uh, just one clarification. I heard you say the, the term UGC, what does that stand for? Oh, good question.
0: Uh, User generated content, um UGC is uh, uh it's kind of just it's your customers or or somebody not your brand making that content so it's usually a little more organic it's more about testing it and then showing it off than it is about trying to get some perfect photography you know getting a model and having it taken just right UGC comes from the customer you're on amazon.com what do you do you go to reviews You look at the bad reviews and you look for those pictures and you go, oh, there it is, it's falling apart. You know, like, you know, you want UGC. You want to see the stuff that's honest and real and not just all, you know, the McDonald's that Big Mac picture that looks so shiny. (laughs) You want the actual, the real thing. Um, This kind of comes back to uh, the desire to get away from this fake world we live in. You know, there's a lot of fake news, there's fake media, there's fake uh, politicians, there's fake everything, right? And so the consumers have changed the way they consume. Um, They want things that they don't want to have to keep filtering out the fake. They would like reality. They'd like the genuine, you know, podcasts are typically much more genuine form of media. That's why people have gravitated towards podcasts. And, you know, like the Joe Rogans of the world who have decided to not cut out everything and leave the the junk inside of there. And some of the reality inside of there has created this whole new space of long form media again. We like the grainy. We like the real, we want the crap, you know? Um, and that's a, that's a new thing. Marketers are having to get used to this. We're so used to uh, making everything so pretty and shiny and perfect. And that perfect is no longer perfect. Uh, I, I always say the best review for your company is not a five out of five star. Uh, it's a four out of five star with pros and cons. But at the end of it, it says it's still worth it. You know, there's problems. No one's perfect and humans have a tendency to see through perfection, we go, there's something, there's something not right. So, so reality uh, and getting rid of this fake stuff, you know, clickbait is so annoying. We're so sick of clickbait. We're so sick of being pulled in and then going, oh, that was an ad. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> yeah, um, I know. Yeah.
1: It's, it's really uh, like for me, um, actually I just turned 40 myself a couple of months ago. So uh, as somebody who kind of was raised on direct response, uh, you know, you cherry pick your testimonials and you put a whole lot of polish together. It, this, this whole be authentic thing is, is such a, a shift to try and process as you, you know, think about how, you, how do you promote your brand now? Because you're saying it's, you, it takes, it's taking some of the polish off of what you're doing.
0: Yeah, yeah, it takes some of the polish off. That's a great way to summarize it. And uh, it's, it's actually harder to make things authentic than you'd think. Um, because, well, if you, if in theory, being genuine and authentic should be very easy. It should just be like, we'll just be ourselves and we'll just make it right. Marketers are actually in the business of controlling things. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> we need to find an audience and we need to get the word out there and we need to spread it. So once we get our paws in there and we start messing with it, we actually ruin it. It's like a uh, catch 22 of marketing is as soon as you start touching it and playing with it you and you PC it to that, politically correct it, you ruin it, it stops being authentic. So my goal, part of what I do at my agency is I try to help brands disconnect themselves from this process so that it can be genuine. Because in, in seriousness, in all seriousness, and the hardest thing to tell a brand is that they're biased. And to say, look, I'm biased about my company, and so are you. You're biased about your product. You're biased about your story, and your company, and your brand. And that is impossible to get rid of. You just are. And people don't trust brands because of that bias. What they do is they trust these influencers. They trust people that they trust. These are people that are more like them. And I found a way to kind of bridge the gap. And, and I can teach you guys a little bit. Hopefully the audience here wants to know a little bit about how you can connect with influencers. But on the, on the big scale, it's about bridging that gap. It's about finding ways to get the trust from the customer without having that weird, that weird level of uh, fake that just happens. It just is It's there.
1: Cool. So, I guess I'd love to kind of dive into how you start finding these micro influencers. I know you mentioned Instagram. Is I assume there's other platforms like would TikTok, uh, YouTube. Are those also kind of the platforms for this? Or I guess I'll let you answer the question.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're good. Um, so, well, before we we talk about how you find influencers, I would say make sure you're ready to to look for them. Um, and I can touch on, on finding them too, but just to kind of prerequisite there, I would say, make sure before you get started, um, be sure you have a proper team and process in place, uh, to manage this. There's a, there's a lot to manage with influencers. So before you go off and start trying to find them, do you have the right team? Do you have somebody on staff who can manage your social media and manage these relationships? Um, are you already collecting feedback from your customers? You know, Are you already doing the right thing with your customers? Because if you try and pull in influencers in the middle of a mess, it's not going to make it any better. Um, are you inspiring your loyal customers to do things already? Because that's kind of what influencer marketing is. It's doing the same thing you do with your loyal customers, just kind of stepping up your game a little bit. Um, is your social media clean? Is it on point? Is your website site on point? Are you able to convert traffic? Those questions you should ask yourself uh, before you start jumping into micro-influencer marketing or working with influencers. Um, so, And also make sure you have the budget and the time. Um, in micro-influencer marketing, it might seem cheap on the cover because you go, well, I'm just going to reach out to these people and, and they'll just send some product and do something with them and it's free. It's definitely not free, but it is a time suck. And your time is valuable. Um, and if you want to make it work, you're going to need to scale it. Uh, to a much higher level, because micro influencers, let's just be honest, they don't have a lot of followers. So, due to their microness, you need to get tons of them, <laughs> and so you're going to need a lot of time, investment, and and money in a way. Um, and then you're going to also want to make sure someone on your team knows FTC legal compliance. So, like, if you don't know, I'm sure most of your audience knows can spam, but have you read the FTC guidelines around influencer marketing? Not everybody has, you know. So, you want to make sure you're also following the law. Um, but uh, so to, to jump in and, and start building your influencer list, um, you want to first figure out what your goals are. You know, who, what are your KPIs? What are you trying to accomplish? So think about, um, you know, are you really just trying to get more followers on your social media? Are you trying to increase your sales and turn them into salespeople? You know, do you want them to go out there and sell your product um, or service? Figure out what you want, because at the end of the day, if you just want content, there's easier ways to get it sometimes. And if you just want more followers, sometimes there's an easier way to do it. And if you're trying to get more sales, there's sometimes an easier way to get those things done. So influencer marketing covers a broad spectrum of of marketing. And it, it kind of sucks in a way because it's like, you'll get six or seven really good things out of it, but none of them are at the peak of where, like if you invested your money in one of those silos, you'd be better off if that's what your goal is. So figure out your goals and realize that influencer marketing covers a lot more than just sales, a lot more than just followers, a lot more than just content. It covers the whole media, all of media, and your conversion rates across every channel shouldn't be affected if you do it right. Um, planning out a budget, um, thinking about spending money. Influencers can be expensive. Some influencers are going to reach out to, let's say uh, you, you contact somebody to say, I'd like to work with you. I saw your, your YouTube video. I saw your Instagram posts. I love your stuff. They might start off the conversation with, yeah, so it's $1, a $1,000 a post." or talk to my manager (laughs) and it turns into this like celebrity thing, or you might get this really nice, like, I love your products. That's great. I'd love to get, you know, let's do something together. It's this, you do get a little bit of an awkward communication starting off right out of the gate with your DMS or your private messages. So um, trying to find uh, your, your perfect audience and the right way to approach them is important. You want to develop a strategy and it takes a lot of work to develop the right strategy with the right influencers. So just be ready for the A-B splits um, and the testing that goes along with this. Um, you know, What type of channels would I use to contact influencers would depend on the type of products I sell, but specifically we use, we use Instagram for CPG type brands or consumer packaged goods. So like, let's say you're selling um, something small, something that can be shipped easily um, and you uh, want to engage influencers. If your demographic is on Instagram, well, that's the place to look. So my demographic, let's say it's millennials, you know, that's Instagram in a nutshell. Um, but there's other platforms that have, um, you know, like better, maybe better aligned demographics for you. So like, by example, Facebook is similar to Instagram, but a little slightly older demographic the millennials and older. Um, and it's great. Twitter uh, Twitter's good for like PR, an older graphic, 30 to 50, you know, a little bit more of like a news type of program. And it's. It's not necessarily the best place to to find all the influencers. Um, uh, You know, Pinterest is good, uh, but it's a little bit older audience as well, 30 and up. Um, And it's good for for finding influencers that can help with the generation. Um, YouTube is also fantastic for a little bit younger and older demographic. Everybody's on YouTube. Um, If you have a product or service that's really uh, uh, much easier to explain through video, YouTube would be great. And if you want somebody to unbox and show off your stuff, um, but just keep in mind, video is resource intensive. It's really difficult work and it's going to cost a lot more money. Um, LinkedIn is great for influencers of the uh, older category. I would say not the boomers, but you know, the gen Xers and the guys like us, uh, you know, anybody on LinkedIn is probably over 40 and you know, most of us are professionals. That's like our resume. Um, so that's a great place to be. Um, but it's, uh, you know, if you're trying to do business development, trying to build brand awareness, that's a great place to find influencers. Um, And then TikTok is for that younger crowd. You know, you wanna get the Z, the Z's are on on TikTok 100%. um, And it's getting older, that demographic, even my, uh, my friends in their 20s, upper 20s are on TikTok. It's starting to get a little older. And then there's Instagram, which is my bread and butter. And that's the one I know most about, which is millennials. And I like Instagram because it's got that nice balance of affordability and outcomes that you want from influencers. So if you're lucky enough to say my, my stuff might be cool on Instagram, well then I just say go head first into Instagram because it's, you know, it's a more affordable, easier place to work and uh, you can typically hire agencies like, uh, that are pros at this and, and can help you for not a lot of money. I'm not sure if I answered your question.
1: <laughs> you, you did, although I think I've got like five more now, but um, <laughs> like one of the, one of the ones I, I've kind of heard you mentioning it. So when you talk about affordability, I know you're saying, you know, for influencer for micro influencers, I think you said five to twenty thousand or so followers on Instagram. I assume that is roughly the same numbers to translate over to say TikTok and uh, YouTube and, and similar ones. Where is is that kind of your guideline for all the platforms?
0: Um no, the, the followers will always be a little different on each platform. Um, if you want to understand what a micro-influencer is on those platforms, I would just Google it. What's a micro-influencer on TikTok look like? Um, most, of, uh, most of them will be based on the amount of likes or followers they have. YouTube will be completely different than TikTok, which will be completely different than LinkedIn and uh, and Instagram. Instagram is where I, I specialize so I can speak to the numbers very specifically because I kind of help define those numbers, make that industry a thing. Um, but it's always changing. So micro-influencer might actually change, uh, you know, the numbers might shift as things move on. I typically think of micros as the guys that are a little bit above being the noobs. A noob is somebody who's right, who's just coming in to creating content. They're just getting their, hand, their feet wet and they're, they're kind of uh, maybe a couple years, two or three years into the creation game. Um, so they're intermediates. Um, each platform has their intermediate space and, uh, you know, that's, that's what we would call the micros.
1: Okay. So when you're uh, looking at, and we'll, we'll just take Instagram as the example for now, since that's going to be the one you're most familiar with when you're kind of thinking about a budget per influencer, if they have the, the 20,000 followers, what, you know, what kind of investment are you, you know, budgeting for each person uh, or is it just a product question. free product or, yeah. or how do you, how are you going to compensate them?
0: Well, every influencer is different. So. If you're managing it in-house and you have your own team that's doing this, you should set some kind of cap. Um, For micro-influencers, it can range between $100 and $1,000, depending on how influential they are and their engagement rates. And I guess, honestly, um, how much impact they can have for your brand. Some of this is test and learn. You won't know until you try it. Um, I would say, you know, for 10,000 followers on Instagram, try and keep it from the $100 to $200 range if you're going to pay them anything. Um, my agency doesn't pay influencers uh, cash. We only compensate them with product. Um, but most influencer agencies and most in-house uh, will give them something like a, a gift card or something on top of the product. Um, so, yeah. I, so let's say you have 10,000 or 20,000 followers like you described. In our system, uh, we look at $100 worth of product as the uh, compensation, quote unquote, compensation. It's a gift. And your your cost of goods um, really do come into effect here. So let's say you have a product that's got insanely good margins, like fashion typically has great margins. You're let's say it costs $10 to make a product that you can sell for 120 bucks. That's in a fantastic margin and it's inexpensive to ship. And you should use that to your advantage to get your product out there and do some product sampling with influencers. Um, so you have to factor in your cost of goods and then, uh, if your retail price is, is high enough, you might not need to ship the additional gift card um, or spend additional money. Um, but instead of thinking of it as one at a time, I usually would recommend if you're unsure about what you want to spend on influencers per influencer, start with how much can you afford to invest in influencer marketing total? So like if you what percentage of your marketing budget are you currently investing in influencer marketing? Um, so. Right now, you know the rule of five says that you should spend about five percent of your revenue on marketing in general. And if you're a, if you really want to get digital, I would spend most of that five percent on the digital side, maybe half on your pay per click, the other half on content and influencer marketing. And that can be a big chunk of change. You're talking hundreds of thousands for some businesses just in influencers, and you're talking maybe for smaller businesses tens of thousands. Um, so it's not a small amount of money. I'd recommend investing in influencers. So when we talk about individuals, I'd say start with where, what kind of budget can you afford to put into the influencer marketing? Go out and do your demos, check with agencies, see what it costs and start figuring out the averages and you're gonna see each influencer depends on what the drive, 100 to to maybe $1,000 each in the microspace is pretty common.
1: Uh, Does that answer your question? It does. I I think for a lot of people, at least I know in the conversations I've had, the question is, Cool, I, I think I can find them, but I don't even know I don't even know what that should cost. So I think yeah, that it, it I, can add up. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. It's like it's not like it's uh it's not like you're on Google's uh, you know, Google ads where it says, here's gonna be what you're gonna pay per click or here's the maximum, there's there's no published, here's what this influencer costs, you know. Oh, you can bid on this one instead, you know, type uh type of thing. Yeah,
0: it's tough. Uh, think of it like if if there's any of our Google people here. Um, think of it like uh, seasoning your pixel. So like when you're out there trying to get your pay-per-click or your, 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 uh, your return on ad spend up, what you do is you, you try and get your pixel seasoned. That means you're getting a lot of traffic to go and make purchases or at least visit this, these outcomes through your clicked ads. And what, when you're seasoning a pixel, what you're trying to do is get it to become um, to, to a standard where you can say it's worth it or not, you know, like it, it, it takes a mindset of testing and learning. And marketers need to be brave, you need to be okay with a little bit of failure. The same thing applies with influencers. You're gonna, inf- during the time where you're testing influencers, you're kind of seasoning the pixel, you're trying to see if it's worth your time. Um, I would say just try not to compare Google ad spend and influencers in the same bucket because Google ad spend is direct ROI, it's direct sales. And influencer ad spend is typically not direct ROI, um, especially in the early stages of those relationships. It's more about um, building content awareness and more top level funnel, uh, top level funnel stuff where you're building awareness and interest. And as you develop those relationships with your influencers, you start to feed them promo codes and then you can sign, kind of start getting more of the direct sales side from your influencers. But I would not recommend starting your relationships with a promo code. Um, it's akin to like your neighbor, like if you, If somebody moves in next door, you know, what's the right way to meet that person? You know, you should probably walk next door with a little gift basket and say, hey, uh, you know, this is Gary. It's nice to, I'm Gary. It's nice to meet you. I brought you these these cookies or this basket. If you need anything, I'll be next door. And so you introduce yourself and you, and there's no expectations. You walk away and then, and then maybe in a few weeks, if you need an egg or you need a bar of the rake, then you come back and say, hey, remember, Gary, I met you a couple weeks ago. And it's totally cool to ask for a, a little bit of a like favor, right? With brands, it's the same thing. Start the conversation with no expectation. And to do that, typically you need an agency to help, but you can do it. You can start the relationship as in, I'm not expecting anything from you. I just want to give you something because I like you. And But in a couple of weeks, when you come back and you say, hey, here's a promo code. If you really loved what we did, if you love this program, you love this thing, would you share this with your buddies? And ask that that is actually cool. If they really liked it, they're going to want to share it. So Um, just make sure you do the right thing and meet them and you greet them and you get to know them a little bit before you treat them like a number or a salesperson.
1: Gotcha. So I guess in terms of some of the results that you've seen from this, what, um, are there, are there any numbers you can share? Any case studies you've gotten that you can kind of talk about in terms of maybe like giving people a, a concrete example to wrap their head around?
0: Yeah. So there's lots of ways to make money with it, influencer marketing. Most people think of sharing promo codes as the only way. Um, I don't have any examples of that working. So I'm the wrong guy to talk to about promo code sharing. It just doesn't work, especially right out of the gate. Um, It does work on YouTube sometimes, but you'd have to test and learn that as well. Um, What I have found the most success from is treating influencer marketing more like a, a content marketing system. And what that means is you're going to measure your conversion rates that come from the content that you produce and use. So let's say you get influencer relationships um, where they're sharing your products on Instagram and it's driving quality traffic to your website um, because they're talking about it and people are are seeing it and learning about it and they're interested. Um, Those people that go to your website are converting at a higher rate. That means they're more likely to buy because they've got somebody influential that they trust telling them it's a good thing. So what should happen when you have good influencer relationships is your traffic should become better quality. What that typically means is you're going to convert at a higher rate on your website. So your e-com, your website, if you're if you're converting a certain amount of traffic today, you should be able to get more out of what you have coming to the website because it's better quality. The other thing that happens with this is you can use the content from the influencers and make sure that it's license-free. Uh, most relationships, you can work out license-free deals or, or uh, unlimited license uses. Get that content on your website or get it in the place where you convert your customers. This content, this authentic content that doesn't look like it's polished and perfect, does extremely well on Amazon, does extremely well on email marketing, does extremely well on websites, just needs to be in the right spots. But if you get it in the right places, you should see an increase in your conversion rates on your website as well. That means more people in your cart, more people converting uh, into a sale on your website. So I, I like to say, if you're going to measure the outcomes of influencer marketing, give it time and use your conversion rates on your best performing place. So like if it's your website. Um, so what we would do is we did a study with 30 of thirty uh, small to medium sized businesses with my agency. Uh, we ran a test over 90 days and we installed this little widget on their website and it, it, it basically used our content from our campaigns that we built with influencers for these brands and they were typically um, consumer packaged goods brands. So things like sunglasses, clothing, food, those kind of things. And we put this little widget on the website and we measured the differences between the traffic that visited their site without our imagery and then the people that did see it and how they interacted with the website. So it was an A-B split. And what we found was the people that interacted with the websites that had our content were 187% more likely to convert. That's nearly three X. Um, that's an insane jump. Now, I definitely don't expect everybody to see a 187% increase in conversion rates. That's the number itself. Actually, i like talking about because it was so good. I'm like that just makes people think that it's like this magic bullet. That's over. That's over 90 days, and it's with 30 brands, and they were they were following the system that we developed. So please keep in mind that's not necessarily what everybody will get. But you should notice that it's more about it's effective. We know it's effective. You should be testing this. You should be working with this. Some brands getting a, uh, a, a little bit of a conversion rate increase on their website is enough to make millions of dollars. Like big companies, you know, 0.1% is enough to make a million bucks a month. Other companies, you need to double your conversion rates to even make $1,000. So, you know, I, I can't really give you specifics. I can just say an average of 30, 3x, incredibly great. Uh, we also saw the, the time on site went up significantly. I think it was over 100%, but I don't have that number off the top of my head on the average. And then we also saw the uh, average cart value, the amount of things that were in the cart went up 17%. So it was more stuff in their carts. Um, they were staying on the site longer and they were converting at a higher rate just by seeing our content. So that's just one little piece of the pie. Um, so, you know, that's one really great way to measure it. Another really good thing to do with influencer content is to put it in your paid ads. Um, so let's say, you know, you're uh, if if, you, if you're already doing boosts on on Facebook or on Instagram then you're familiar with you know dumping money into posts. We can work out deals with influencers where you're they'll let you dump money into their posts because they're very authentic, they have a different audience and you can boost those ads and you can get an incredibly strong return. And that's where you start doing promo codes and and fun stuff. Um and I've also seen people use our content in their Google ads um, where they take authentic content and they start doing AB splits with our content and they find that their conversion rates go up 50%, 60% on just their uh, pay per click. So, you know, what's the return on investment of a great photo? You know, you and I could sit here and speculate and say, well, it depends on the photo quality. It depends on where it's placed. Yes. There's just too many variables for me to tell you that it's perfect and it'll work every time. But I can say this, I've been doing this for six years. We've never heard a brand and we have a lot of people who stay with us (laughs) at our agency, and we have definitely seen some craziness. Um, Some of our top companies, um, like Drops is a a great example. You know, they're a fast-growing detergent company that uh, they just have an incredible team, incredible president, and they dumped a ton of money into influencers in the earlier days, and they're still with it. Like, they they get most of the credit of their growth, their phenomenal growth over the past decade, 15 years, to influencers. Um, So, you know, if you do it right, there's the moon, and you know if you do it wrong, you might need to keep testing it. You know don't expect a magic bullet it It's not always perfect.
1: Oh, well, this sounds I, you're getting me excited i'm just I'm just thinking of all the kind of dis- different possibilities out there. Uh, so I guess maybe uh this would be a probably good point. I think cause I, I could just ask questions all day about this. like I think I told you beforehand we could probably do like a mini workshop on this, and I, I could just talk to you all day about it. Um, yeah. but for somebody who says, "Okay, this sounds really cool. I could see the value for you know either my one of my companies or for my clients," what what would you tell them, or where where should we direct them? What can you do for them?
0: Well, I mean, if they if they want to work with somebody who specializes in micro on Instagram, my agency does a fantastic uh, job. Obviously, I'm biased. <laughs>
1: um,
0: <laughs> we we have over six hundred. Clients, so I mean, we've been doing this for a long time. We were the very first micro influencer agency on Instagram, so we got more experience than anybody. Um, I have a team in Pennsylvania that would love to help. Um, if you have a product that would look cool on Instagram, that's typically the type of brands we work with. You know, so it's CPG or something like a service industry that can have cool pictures. Uh, if that makes sense. Um, so yeah, if you have a if you have a desire to scale up a system that you've already tested, ours our program at Apex Drop is really simple. It's, um, take what you do right, take the good stuff that you're doing on a smaller scale, and just blow it up um, with a team, a large team. It's extremely difficult to pull in-house the perfect experts to run this for you. Um, you know, hiring that uh, the influencer out of college, I call it. You know, the girl from from a college who comes in and says, "I have my own social media and I'm on Instagram," and they go, "You're going to run our whole program." <laughs> that person or that guy, he, they're not usually the best bet. They're just not. Um, hiring people who have tons of experience in marketing, get the idea of growing uh, the marketing funnel from top to bottom, um, and, and to do it big, um, you know, I'd highly recommend giving us a call. You can visit apexdrop.com, schedule a demo with my team. I've got some experts on the line ready to do demos, and they could show you if it will work or not and see if it's a fit. Uh, I'd love to, love to help some of your audience out if they're interested.
1: Oh, I love it. All right. Well, if you're interested in some micro-influencer marketing, especially on Instagram, give Zach a shout. Go to apexdrop.com. Check him out. Tell him Gary sent you. And uh, Zach, thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, I really loved it. I learned a lot. And uh, we'll probably have to have you on again to talk more about it.
0: Wonderful, Gary. Had a blast. Thank you, Gary. Thanks for listening to the Pipelineology Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and look forward to seeing you on the next one. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider giving us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.